So hello there and welcome to another episode of Philosophical Disquisitions. Uh, this is going to be the last interview episode of 2020. And although every episode is wonderful, of course, I think we're ending the year on a high because you're about to listen to a conversation that I recorded with Yasin Gabriel. Now Yasin is a research scientist at DeepMind. He is by training a political theorist and ethicist and his research focuses on moral questions raised by artificial intelligence. Recently, he's been focusing on issues that have to do with value alignment and artificial intelligence, responsible innovation, and human rights. He has also previously been a prominent contributor to the debate about the ethics of effective altruism, and in fact, that's how I first got to know of his work, and I wrote a series of articles about a paper he wrote years ago dealing with the criticisms of effective altruism, and he himself wrote a follow-up to that series. You can find that on the blog, and I'll include a link in the show notes for this episode. So in this episode, we focus on Yasin's recent work having to do with the value alignment problem in artificial intelligence. Okay, now as per usual, if you like this episode, please consider rating, reviewing it, sharing it online. Anything you can do really that will help to spread the word and promote the show will be much appreciated. So without further ado, I'll hand over to the conversation that I recorded with Yesen. Okay, so Yesen, today we're going to be talking about the alignment problem for AI. And very roughly, if I could characterize it, I'd say this is the problem that emerges when we try to design an artificial intelligence system so that it aligns with our values or some kind of cognate notion, some similar idea to values. And the challenge is, you know, how can we ensure that this will happen, that it will actually follow our instructions or be consistent with our values and so forth. Now, you've recently published a paper about this in Minds and Machines called uh, AI's Values and Alignment. And what we're going to do is dig into some of the key arguments in that paper in this conversation today. So let me just start with the kind of simple setup question. I gave a quick characterization of the alignment problem there in the introduction. How do you characterize it? How do you define that problem? Yeah, thank you so much, John. So I think your description of the problem was was really spot on. So the challenge is to align technologies and particularly AI systems with human values. Um, this can be quite challenging because they are uh, increasingly sophisticated in nature. They evidence kinds of autonomy in terms of the decisions they can make um, that we haven't seen with technologies in the past. And hence, uh, they're capable of more creative forms of value realization. And they can also make mistakes of a kind that we haven't encountered historically. Um, so in the paper, I break down the, the question of value alignment into two parts. Um, on the one hand, I, I say we have this question, which is the technical question of how do we build systems that are aligned with the values that we want to promote. And on the other hand, we have a normative question about what those values actually are. Um, and within the discussion around artificial intelligence, um, I tend to draw a distinction between minimalist and maximalist versions of value alignment. Um, so the minimalist perspective says that the first priority is always to build safe systems. And this is actually quite a challenging thing to do. It's not, not an easy technical feat. Um, but a maximalist viewpoint says we actually need to think beyond safety and, and think about other kinds of values we might try and realize. We might even ask what are the best values for an AI system to embody? Um, so does it need to be fair? Does it need to be transparent? Does it need to be accountable? And we try to, try to create systems that, that kind of realize the best of all possible worlds. Yeah, I mean, so is that distinction between the minimalist and maximalist versions kind of equivalent to a distinction that's often made in kind of applied ethics or moral philosophy between kind of harm minimization versus some sort of optimization view? Although I know that that language sort of carries certain normative connotations with it, which we might want to question later on. But is that roughly the, the distinction that you're drawing there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an, an interesting question. I think um, the minimalist point of view is very much about avoiding grave harms. So it isn't necessarily simply minimizing all conceivable harms. Um, and as I mentioned, historically, that's been a focus on safety and sometimes even what people call existential risk. So they're concerned to avoid 
the creation of very powerful AI systems that could potentially endanger the planet in one way or another. Now, there are other things that we could include in a minimalist account of AI alignment. Um, so other kind of harms that we consider very serious or other moral claims that we might think have a kind of foundational status. Um, so in that regard, I would consider, um, you know, creating AIs that are aligned with human rights to be close to a minimalist aspiration. Um, and then, you know, more elaborate ideas about the goals that AI might help us realize on a collective basis, uh, edge us closer towards a thicker or more maximalist position. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I've heard the alignment problem discussed most viscerally or most prominently in relation to fears about superintelligence and AI doomsday scenarios. You know, I'm thinking in particular of Nick Bostrom's widely discussed book on this and the alignment problem features very prominently in that and in that conversation around existential risk. But it is a broader problem, right? I mean, it, it arises for AI systems that have much less kind of competence or intelligence than the kinds of systems that Bostrom might be imagining in superintelligence, right? Yes, I, th I think that's absolutely right. So we could take the example of a, a simple recommendations system or search engine and ask what values it's aligned with. So it could be that the system is designed to provide me with content that's aligned with my own interests, or it might be trying to satisfy the preferences that I have at, a cur at the current moment. So it might just be giving me very, you know, entertaining, uh, addictive content. Um, or it might be aligned with some kind of conception of what's of value. Uh, so, for example, if you believe that the environment has intrinsic value, could it nudge me towards content that, that kind of makes me aware of that fact. Um, or it could be aligned with someone else's interests or agenda. So I think whenever we have technologies of a, a certain degree of sophistication, um, that this kind of value dimension rises to the fore, and we can ask you know, we can ask this question of, of who or what values it's promoting. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's right. I mean, in a sense, I think it arises for any automated system that you know has some capacity for action independent of a human. Because I mean, then you want to make sure that it is in some way consistent with your goals, your values, your aspirations, or or somebody else's, as, as you say. Now, yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so you know, I, and I appreciate you said there's kind of two two elements to the problem as you define it: the sort of the technical and the, and the normative. There's another thing though within the characterization of the alignment problem. You know, there's two there's two sides to it. There's the artificial intelligence itself and whatever that system is and then there's what we are trying to align it with now based on the kind of structure of your paper you know the majority of our conversation here is probably going to focus on the latter part you know what exactly are we actually trying to align the system with but do we need to have a better or richer understanding of artificial intelligence itself to fully kind of grasp this debate i know it's something you touch upon a little bit in the paper the different models or systems i mean how do you define or understand what AI is, particularly in its more modern forms, um, you know, what's distinctive about it? Yeah, so that's a, a fantastic question. I think that in present discussion, AI or artificial intelligence is largely syn synonymous with approaches that build upon machine learning. And I think if we look at different paradigms for artificial intelligence or different ways in which machine learning is used to create intelligent artifacts, um, we can learn something about the ways in which they're most likely to be aligned um, and potential congruence with different kinds of moral theory. Um, so, for example, one kind of machine learning is called reinforcement learning. And in reinforcement learning, we have an agent who's assigned a reward by the programmer. And essentially the agent engages in exploration with the goal of maximizing this reward over time. And that, that approach is a, a kind of clearly optimization-based approach to learning. And some people have conjectured that it fits more easily with a moral theory that shares that structure. For example, utilitarian theory, which has as its long-term goal uh, maximizing human happiness than it does with approaches that focus, for example, on hard constraints, so a rights-based perspective. Um, 
I think if we look at the kind of artificial intelligence system in question, it also becomes clear that the values that we want to align it with will vary. Um, and this is also true when we think about the context that AI systems are deployed in. So at present, there's a lot of discussion about GPT-3, which is a large transformer system that's very capable um, of reproducing human language. Um, and it works by predict predicting the next uh, sequence of words when given a prompt. Um, but could potentially have a, a number of very interesting applications. And I think when we think about that kind of system, it's very important to think about the value of truthfulness. Um, so what does it mean for a system to output something that's basically truthful or honest? Um, if we think about a different kind of agent, so for example, one that's deployed as an assistant um, in, in, a, in an applied setting, we might think that other virtues are more important. So. Um, to summarize, I think that, that the architecture of the agent is important because it usually sets out a domain of possibilities that we're working within. And it's also useful to understand what kind of agent we're talking about, because sometimes the values we want to align it with are kind of domain specific. Yeah, I mean, I think that's useful. I mean, I hadn't really thought about this before you gave that answer. And I can't remember if this is actually in, in your paper or not, but if we accept the argument that these kinds of learning systems, reinforcement learning systems, are in a sense more compatible with you know, utilitarian maximization or optimization moral philosophies, is it true to say that you know historical top-down, good old-fashioned AI systems are more compatible with the side constraints or, or Kantian view or you know, that you're kind of just following a rule in a sense, in a re relatively strict way. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a natural extension to make. Um, of course, the reality is it's, it's very hard to create artificial agents that, you know, approximately uh, Im implement any moral theory to a kind of high standard at the present moment. Um, but insofar as, as the analogy holds, it does seem that, that the old systems, which relied, as you pointed out, on, on hard-coded rules, um, have, have greater potential when it comes to that line of thinking. Um, there's also other interesting ways in which we can use machine learning to um, you know, encode a set of human values. So another important approach is called inverse reinforcement learning, uh, where we essentially present the, the agent with examples of human behavior or of some behavior that it should approximate. Um, and the agent kind of makes its best guess about what what the human reward function is and then tries to act in a way that augments the thing that the human was trying to pursue. Um, and that that's an approach that's interesting because people have thought that it has a kind of analogy with virtue ethics. So if you actually had examples of good behavior um, that you're very confident in, perhaps you could get an artificial agent to approximate them just by watching many, many examples of humans or other entities doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds at least broadly analogous to kind of an exemplar-based, virtue ethics-based learning system anyway. So yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's a point here in these examples that we've discussed so far. So if you're saying reinforcement learning is kind of like utilitarian style of approach, and then uh, inverse reinforcement learning might be a little bit like a virtue ethics approach, and the top-down rule-based hard coding is maybe a little bit like deontological kind of approaches to morality. There's an argument that you make in the paper that I think is critical and important that I want to draw out in this discussion, which is that you say there's no purely technical solution to the alignment problem. And that is partly a function of the fact that different architectures may bias us in a particular normative direction. Maybe you could flesh out that argument for listeners and, and maybe initially focus on the claim that some people make that you can kind of design a neutral architecture. What would that even mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think uh, on that account, uh, you know, there is sometimes uh, an aspiration to build uh, artificial agents that are capable of anything. This is the so-called artificial general intelligence. And if, if that could be created, then it almost follows by definition that it would be able to align with any moral theory. And sometimes there's this tacit idea that that means that the moral question can be answered later on because 
first we'll build this very, very generally capable thing. And then we'll we'll turn our attention to fundamental moral questions. Um, but I think the thing to, to draw out is that on the road to AGI, if it can be built, um, what we're likely to see is many artificial agents or forms of AI that closely resemble the kinds of AI that we already see in the world today. Um, and these systems are definitely not general. They have very specific um, architectures of the kind we've spoken about. And those architectures um, lead to a kind of path dependency, which means that it isn't equally easy to kind of align them with any system. And hence, if we have moral goals in mind, it's very important that we that we build systems that are kind of capable of approximating them at the very least. Um, so that's one important aspect of the question. But I think on a more fundamental level, uh, the idea that we can't have a purely technical uh, solution to the problem of value alignment uh, touches upon this, this fundamental distinction in philosophy um, between what is the case and what ought to be the case. So that's uh, David Hume's maxim that we can't derive an ought from an is. And this is very important because sometimes people think that if we just took a really, really big survey of opinion and, and ask people, what do you want artificial intelligence to do? And then we got all those results back and we aggregated the results that we would have solved the alignment problem just by doing a, a survey of opinion. And and, and that, that just is probably a flawed approach because um, even if we got all that data about what people thought should be the case, um, it's still quite possible that they'd be mistaken, right? Or that they would exclude, for example, you know, very important moral considerations like future generations or animal suffering. Um, so basically, whatever whatever data we can collect, whether it's people's opinions or watching how they behave, um, trying to emulate it in certain ways, we always have the further question, is this actually the right thing to be doing? Is it the right thing for artificial agents to try and emulate? Um, and to get to the bottom of that, we need uh, this complementary conversation about the kind of the kind of values that we do actually want to see realized um, by these new new entities. Yeah, and that kind of leads into the the normative problem. Before we get to that, though, the just one question that arises from this, and I'm curious about your opinion. I did a whole episode previously with uh, Ulla Hagstrom about you know Bostrom's orthogonality thesis. Do you think that the notion or the idea that we can build, uh, in some sense, a a value neutral AGI that we can load up or instruct to follow? whatever values we like do you think that is in some sense linked to that orthogonality thesis you know the claim that intelligence and values or goals are somehow orthogonal to each other yeah so that's an interesting question so the way i understand the orthogonality thesis is that any level of intelligence um, is in principle compatible with any value set so I think when I when I think about the orthogonality thesis, um, it's basically in terms of like the moral implications, suggesting that more intelligent entities don't automatically become more ethical or more moral. And I think at a stretch, we could say that it's an argument that cuts against a certain form of Kantian ethics. Um, which suggests that, you know, as, as we become more intelligent, we become governed by reasons. And then we, we have this concern to be autonomous, which is understood as identifying reasons that universalize. Um, I think Bostrom's orthogonality thesis kind of fundamentally cuts against that um, and says that, no, like it's, it's perfectly possible to have a highly intelligent entity um, that could pursue malicious ends or, or um, ends that are, you know, not not in any way calibrated with the human conception of moral reason. Um, so that's the main bearing I think it has on the current current question. Um, I don't see it as providing a huge amount of detail about the kind of information that we can glean for alignment for proto AGI um, and and from a kind of more mechanical perspective. Yeah, I mean, so I think that is the correct kind of characterization of how Bostrom and others have understood the implications of the orthogonality thesis. I was just sort of thinking a bit laterally that if, if it's true that you know, any level of intelligence is compatible with any kind of moral view, by implication that sort of supports the notion that you could have a very high level of intelligence that, is, that can be loaded up with whatever moral view you prefer. But I don't want to get bogged down into that point. 
one of the main you know, features of your paper and that, that I quite like, and I think it's useful to go through it, is that you you talk in the middle section of the paper about the different kinds of things that we want, might want to align an AI with, and you know the possibilities of aligning it with our instructions, our intentions, our preferences, and our values. So maybe we could just run through these examples that you have in the paper, and you kind of identify positive and negative features of of trying to align an AI with these things. So one of the first things you talk about is the, the attempt to align an AI with our instructions, which is kind of like, I guess, the, the tool notion of an AI, that it should just do what we want it to do. Maybe talk about that and what the issues with trying to do that would be in practice. Sure thing. So with, with the instructions-based approach to AI alignment, um, it has traditionally served as a key kind of focus of, of discussion of alignment. And because alignment can be very technically challenging, it's often the kind of first port of call. Um, but I think major questions about it have been raised, particularly by Stuart Russell, who points out that the instructions we give artificial in systems will often be highly imperfect. Um, and if they're taken at face value, they contain their own kind of ethical risk or peril. So the most famous example of this is, of course, the story of King Midas, um, who formulated this wish that everything he touched would turn to gold, um, and then and then uh, was granted this power and uh, suffered uh, suffered hugely as a consequence because he didn't actually want that. Um, so instructions, if taken literally, are very dangerous. Um, it's also true that they're not really constrained from a value point of view, right? So you could instruct a, an AI system to do anything, and many of those instructions would be deeply, deeply ethically problematic or flawed. Um, so ideally, you might want an AI system that kind of had a power of discernment. Um, and uh, I mean, here we're talking about fairly sophisticated systems, um, but that at least had like either power of dis discernment or safeguards in place to prevent certain kinds of goal or instruction from being acted upon. Yeah, so I mean, as you say, there's, there's two issues there with the, the the fact that our instructions are often phrased in a way that I guess assumes a kind of background knowledge or background common sense that a machine might lack or. Uh, an AI would, would lack that kind of contextual knowledge to really know what we intended by the instruction. But then also there's the um, the issue that it's not, it doesn't seem like it's a normative constraint at all. Uh, apart from, I guess, there's, there's a thin norm here that AIs should do what their human instructors want them to do, and that, that is in some sense normatively preferable. But given that humans do lots of bad things, it doesn't seem like it's much of a constraint. The second thing you talk about in the, the paper is trying to align AI with our intentions. And I guess you run through two variations of this, and you might want to separate them out. I'm um, oh, sorry, actually, you, you, no, you talk about one variation of this, actually. It's um, expressed intentions, and then you move into a slightly different discussion about preferences afterwards. But uh, maybe we could talk about that notion of expressed intentions. Is that not basically the same thing as instructions, or what's the difference between them? Yeah, so I think expressed intentions is um, an expression of the idea that what we want the AI to do is, oh, sorry, we'd like the AI to do what we really want it to do, not what we say kind of taken in an extremely literal way. So we want it to understand the intentionality behind the words that we, we express or communicate. Um, and as you point out, John, that kind of you know, in a sense, that patches one of the problems with instructions, which is kind of excessive literalism. So if it can really understand our intentions, then it then it shouldn't kind of, um, you know, blindly follow some some kind of uh, unhelpful understanding of, of, of what we've communicated. Um, but in a sense, it's only only nudging the needle in the direction of where we need to get to. Um, because, you know, the intention could still be misinformed or faulty um, or otherwise um, kind of ethically compromised. And it's also true that intentions, when we look at them philosophically, tend to be only partial plans for things that we want to be achieved. So key idea of an intention is an intention is a, a kind of 
um, yeah, an aspiration to achieve something that's only loosely filled out. And, and in a sense, like the intention becomes richer as we start to act on it. Um, so if we think about artificial agents that are kind of acting, um, uh, you know, in a world where they're encountering a lot of different scenarios very quickly, um, it may not be the case that they have enough information to go on solely from an intention, even if they grasp it. Um, and for this reason, I think a lot of people, um, for example, Gillian Hadfield, have said that AI actually needs to understand kind of context and baseline norms um, and have a sense of what different people want, um, kind of by and large, um, that reaches beyond the content of a single person's goal or aspiration. Yeah, and I, I suppose I've thought about that a bit. Of the, this is a long-standing challenge or issue in AI design, but you know actually getting access to that context or figuring out how to encode that context into an ai is a huge challenge because you know in many ways we don't we don't know what that is ourselves so we, we can't kind of code it in from the top down for sure because it's it's a bunch of like tacit assumptions about the way the world works it's incompletely specified in, in the same way that intentions are often incompletely specified i mean is there any hope of an ai learning that kind of contextual information are there any developments in that regard so i think that's that's a very important question um and i think we we have to have hope that that it, it can be done that ai can learn um elements of social context and can learn to respond to different people's um kind of beliefs aspirations and, and preferences in in a fair or even-handed way um so so it but but it does continue to be challenging i i remember i had a discussion with ed felton and he gave the the analogy with submarines and he, he said that um if we think about ai systems they're kind of typically going to be operating very very quickly at a, at a speed that that um vastly exceeds kind of normal human cognition so from the perspective of an artificial agent it's a little bit like being a submarine and being out of the loop for several months before you get more feedback about about what to do um, from the principal or the command center, which is probably the human that's in, in control. And in all that time, you need to make good decisions by default. Um, and so, so that's something that ideally an, an AI will need to, to learn if it's deployed in certain contexts. Um, and, and I think there are different technical ideas about how that might be done. Um, of course, the kind of flip side of that and something that we should always be mindful of with AI systems is that if they can't be kind of taught more sophisticated moral norms and context, that probably does constrain the kind of use cases that, that, that these systems should be should be um, deployed in. So if, it, if it's the case that these things can't be done, then we, we, we should basically, um, you know, curtail deployment or limit it to cases where we are sure that we have the right kind of like moral robustness in place. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of an argument that's come up a lot in conversations that I've had about keeping AI in its appropriate place from, from an ethical perspective. I want to move on though to the other examples that you discuss in the paper you know things we could align ai with so one of the big ones is preferences and this, this is where you talk about the two different versions of this thesis or claim i suppose we initially we have the classic you know economic theory approach to preferences that we don't focus on what people say they want or do we focus on what people reveal to be their preferences you know wh what are the strengths or weaknesses of this idea and i mean how might it work in practice yeah, so I think the preference-based approach, um, or what I term the revealed preference-based approach, has a, a fair amount of popularity within the value alignment community. And the idea is that by observing um, human actors, you can make inferences about what they value. And hence, if you watch even a group of human beings, um, you should be able to make inferences about what they value um, and ideally align with that. Um, and in that way, avoid outcomes that no one wants. Um, there's then a more complex question about what you do when people are giving you different kinds of preference information that conflicts with one another. Um, but maybe, you know, I've heard it suggested that you should have some big aggregation function. And then you get something that I, I, I'm hesitant to say looks like utilitarian AI, but is definitely in that ballpark. Um, 
And I think that that approach is is really quite problematic for a number of reasons. Um, the first is that, you know, if we were to look at this through the lens of po political philosophy, um, a lot of preferences really are not the sort of thing that we would want to count in, in that kind of deliberation. Um, so sometimes people have preferences that are based on false information, in which case it's not a real guide to what they want. Um, sometimes their preferences are harmful to other people, so they could be malicious. Um, and then from a sociological point of view, we have other reasons to question preference data. Um, so one, one phenomenon that's been kind of routinely observed when people try to do these preference calculations is that human preferences are actually quite adaptive. Um, so typically people who've had less fortunate life experiences or who are on the kind of um, receiving end of structural injustice and inequality um, lower their aspirations um, or, or sense of, uh, or, or, or perhaps you might think that they've been affected ideologically to believe they're entitled to less. Um, and this kind of tends to play out in the preferences that are expressed. Um, and, and that's a kind of, uh, you know, alludes to the possibility of a kind of false consciousness um, that we definitely wouldn't want to input as a kind of primary, um, you know, primary driver for AI ethics and morality. Um, so the idea of watching people and, and inferring what they want is uh, is problematic um, and I think that these are things that the kind of the community that really wants to run with that approach needs to dig in and investigate a bit more deeply yeah I mean like one of the main I guess ethical critiques of AI these days is that it just sort of reinforces and replicates biases or structural injustices that are already present in society that might be present in in training data and so forth and it seems like the aligning an AI with revealed preferences is just subject to the same basic issue or basic problem, right? Um, the other example then is, is to focus on something more like idealized preferences or informed preferences. So, you know, what an agent would want if they were fully rational or something. Like what? I guess that's an idea that has a fair bit of standing in in moral philosophy to some extent. But uh, what might be the the challenges with that approach? Yeah, so that's an, an interesting one. So we could shift from trying to make inferences about what people want just from watching them to this more idealized standard of, of what we think they would want if they were, um, you know, if they were deliberating rationally and if they had full information. Um, so at least that would kind of get rid of the possibility of responding to preferences that are expressed simply through through accidents of one kind or another. Um, and in political and moral philosophy, sometimes there's the suggestion that if people were really um, ideally reasoning in this way that's informed and rational, they would ultimately arrive at some kind of moral preference set. So that is something that we, we tend to struggle, strongly associate with Kantian philosophy. Um, I think it is fair to say that that is a very, very big conjecture. Um, and I would actually say the, pro the the preponderance of thought in moral philosophy is that that's that's unlikely to be um, that the kind that it's unlikely that there is a single endpoint of of human reasoning when we deliberate in that way. Um, so so there's the kind of like the big picture of of ideal preferences and where they lead to. And I'd say there we just end up with a, a very very contested philosophical view about what happens. Um, we might think more practically just about trying to give people more information um, and then asking them what what they prefer. Um, I mean that that's an approach that that has some some value, um, but that we still encounter the possibility um, that preferences will be you know unethical, malicious, or other affecting in ways that are are not really uh, the kind of thing that that we would want to take into account when we create AI systems. So, you know, it's it's hard to say whether this is. Um, if this is necessarily the case, but many people think that even if people are rational and informed, they can still express um, beliefs that are prejudicial. Um, and we actually need a stronger, stronger standard for alignment than just, uh, you know, um, synthesizing opinions because they could contain m many, many harmful things. Yeah, I mean, that kind of brings us back to the, the, orthogonal, the orthogonality thesis and, and Wallstrom's point, right, that super, the super intelligent agent isn't necessarily a more moral one or one that doesn't follow or implement values that are, are problematic in some way. 
Um, but I mean, that's it. I, I mean, the way you describe it there, it does seem that there might be some practical utility to trying to focus on what a, what agents would prefer under somewhat idealized conditions. The challenge, and this might be something we get into a little bit more detail later on, is uh, you know identifying what those idealized conditions are, since there are different theories about you know the kinds of information or the kinds of setting that you should establish in order to gain access to those more idealized or informed preferences. I, I should have mentioned earlier that so the first you know three examples that we discussed instructions expressed intentions and revealed preferences these are largely descriptive models right of so we're, we're trying to align ai with something in the real world that we can point to like human behavior human expressions and so forth but these the these examples now when we've moved into informed preferences we're switching to a more normative model that it's not necessarily something that we can point to in the real world except in the example that you just imagined where we ask people under idealized conditions. Uh, it's a, this is a more kind of strictly within the realm of value theory or moral philosophy now, right? Yes, I think that's correct. And so, I mean, the next example that you discussed reinforces this idea, I think, is trying to align AI with our interests or with some idea of well-being. So what, and what is that and how would that work and how, what are the issues with it? Yeah, thanks, John. So I think, um, you know, human well-being and human interest is an interesting focal point for alignment. So, um, you know, the broad picture here is that we are trying to create AI systems that try to do what is good for us in some sense. Um, and when we think about human well-being or welfare, um, there are some people who think that, you know, there's no kind of objective standard that can be brought to bear um, and that that may or may not be correct. Um, but a lot of people think that there are kind of core constituents of what makes a life go well. Um, and it seems when we do kind of surveys um, and evaluate people's lives that they report consistently that certain things are useful to have. Um, so if we look at something like the, the capability theory of human development that Amartya Sen and Martha Nussbaum put together, they suggest that it's really important that human beings are able to enjoy certain capabilities. So, you know, these range from um, things such as kind of, uh, you know, material sustenance, um, uh, you know, freedom of movement, freedom of thought, um, to potentially some kind of um, uh, more more ambitious or more uh, uh, kind of uh, less self-evident uh, qualities, for example, an ability to play um, and abilities to engage in meaningful social interaction and things like that. So we might hope that AI could be tethered to a world in which these kind of things are collectively realized. Um, and that's quite quite a nice view in some ways because it it avoids this problem of over-indexing on you know potentially malicious preferences um, and it creates a, a, a vision of, of AI unlocking value that um, both has kind of some philosophical weight and is also something that many people would actively affirm. Um, so I think if we could create AI that was aligned with human interests, we'd definitely be moving in the right direction. Um, but as, uh, as I'm sure we'll discuss in a minute, that, that isn't actually where this discussion needs to end. Right. And, and then the last possibility that you discuss in the paper is the um, aligning it with our values, with what is we morally ought to do or ought to prefer in some sense um what's what does that mean i guess in in practice and and what are yeah. what are the challenges with that yes absolutely so um just to just to finish the preceding thought we might we might finish with this uh, conception of human interest and say well where where does that fall short um, and I think there's some kind of ways in which it obviously does. So to start with, it's very um, kind of it's a very human centric way of viewing ethics. So we might ask, you know, what about animal life? What about other sentient life? Shouldn't shouldn't powerful AI systems respect that? Um, it also seems to index quite heavily on on the perspectives and interests of present generations. So we might think, you know, what about future people? Um, and then we have different questions about how to weigh different people's uh, interests. Um, should it be the case that everyone's interest is weighed equally? Should we pay greater attention potentially to people who are worse off? Um, and so. So the idea of just kind of creating an AI that's aligned with human interests um, is kind of decent, but it also suffers from a bit of parochialism. And so 
to my mind, the question is then, well, what what can we say about all these other things, about sentient life, future generations, about justice? And the obvious thing to say is that these are kind of, um, these are, are values or they point to a set of considerations that we normally think um, ha- have a degree of normative weight um, that they should that they should provide us with direction about what we ought to do. Um, so that gets us into the domain of values. Um, but values are not simple. So, you know, of course, on the one hand, uh, it almost seems like a tautology to say AI ought to do what it ought to do. Um, and some people think that if we knew the true moral theory, it would be a relatively simple exercise to align AI with it. Um, So that isn't the view that I hold um, for a number of reasons that we'll discuss shortly. But importantly, we also don't, I believe, have access to a true moral theory at the present moment. And it's doubtful whether we ever will come to a point where we can say categorically without doubt that, that these set of beliefs we have about value are actually true and that they will never need to be revised or improved in the future. So in reality, when we when we talk about aligning AI systems with human values, it has to be with some set of beliefs about value that human beings have kind of collectively, uh, collectively endorsed, possibly for this purpose. Um, and if we look at values through the lens of social psychology or, or a different field of study, they actually look very well situated to perform this task with regards to AI alignment, because the reason that we have values, sociologically speaking, is to help align societies in ways that prevent kind of free riding, prevent certain kinds of malicious uh, transgression taking place um, and orientate us towards some version of the collective good. Um, Now, as I said, it's very unlikely that the kind of values that are dominant in a society in a given moment are actually the the best considerations that we could ever take into account. And it's often the case when we think about human values that it's very clear that whole societies have made quite serious moral errors. So I think this idea of values really moves us into the right ballpark, but equally it raises challenges that we need to be very diligent when 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 it comes to reflecting upon. Yeah, um, so I do want to talk about the challenges it raises in, in a little bit more detail. I just this is like a maybe an obscure question, and I don't want it to take us off track. But to what extent do you think there's a, a challenge as well here with the language that we use when we're describing the alignment problem and the, and the importance of kind of precise language because you know, early on and I don't know if this is still true but a lot of the discussion particularly in the existential risk debate was about creating human friendly AI and, and at least in my mind human friendliness isn't necessarily the same thing as an AI that aligns with what is morally valuable for the reasons that you just kind of mentioned that it's too anthropocentric an idea and you know what's friendly to one human might be different from what's friendly to another i don't know have you thought about that kind of linguistic aspect of the way in which the debate is framed yeah it's it's a very i think it's a very valid point john so i i mean i i share your concern with the the anthropocentric um uh kind of underpinnings of that definition um and I think we, we once we reflect upon human fallibility, it actually opens up some very kind of interesting possibilities. So I think one thing that we'll discuss shortly is the relationship between human beings endorsing what an AI does um, and its underlying moral character. And you might think that if human beings are not very ethical, if they're doing things that are very short-sighted, that will potentially cause long-term harm in the future, that ideally AI should kind of prove some level of resistance uh, to, to those kind of inputs and and help us unlock a, a better future, um, maybe one that's better for, for, for entities that are not simply human, so animals and sentient life as well. Um, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting and difficult conjecture because we also tend to think that powerful AI systems need democratic legitimacy, um, as we'll, we'll talk about shortly. So I think there could be a tension between AI doing what humans want it to do and humans beings doing what is, uh, and sorry, and the AI doing what is really best. Um, and in that case, it's, it's an open and interesting philosophical question what, what these powerful AI systems should really do. Yeah. So when we talk about the idea of it's, we're in the right ballpark when we talk about values, um, there seems to be a number of challenges then in practice, which you've alluded to or touched upon. 
uh, there's a kind of a, a meta-ethical issue in one sense, you know, our, do values exist in some form that is, uh, that AI could track or identify? Are values just, you know, purely relative phenomena? But even if we set that to the side, it seems that to me there's at least kind of three practical challenges as well, which is one, values are sometimes uncertain or, you know, we don't know what is normatively ideal in a certain context. Values are plural, right? There are many values and, you know, they can conflict and be in tension with one another in particular decision-making contexts. Human values also change over time in, in a socio a social psychological sense, which you alluded to there, you know, some human societies looking back on it seem to have made significant moral, moral errors. I think we could agree that let's say, you know, Nazi Germany made a significant moral error in their, the worldview and the set of norms that they enforced. And, you know, there was other examples historically too, with slavery and cruelty to animals and denying women the vote and historical examples of what looked to be moral errors. So the alignment problem is particularly challenging given that dynamic that there's a plurality to values, there's a conflict between values, the kinds of values we endorse change over time, and there might be also, even in the present age, significant uncertainty about values, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely right. Right, and so th this then kind of like frames the the second half of your paper, or the, sorry, the final third, I guess, of your paper, which is what do we do given that uncertainty and disagreement and lack of consensus? So what can we do? Yeah, so so that's exactly right. So, um, so on one view that I already alluded to, um, you know, the challenge in front of us is to try and discover um, the truth about morality or the truth about morality for AI, and then to align it with this kind of true understanding of what morality really requires. Um, but as you notice, there's a number of quite serious obstacles that stand in the way of realizing that aspiration. And one that I think is particularly important is this, uh, this fact of pluralism or difference of opinion that you pointed to, John. Um, so even if I, I did, um, you know, have a, a kind of uh, some like really, it's hard to know what it would be, some really reliable inspiration about what the true moral theory was, and I wasn't someone who, uh, you know, had had this high level of conviction, but just turned out to be, you know, mistaken or to have missed something out, as I imagine many people have done in the past. Um, we still have this fact that I would live in a pluralistic world and that if we follow the philosopher John rules, um, it's a world in which people have reasonable differences of opinion about questions of morality. Um, so according to, to Rawls's thought, which is pretty central to modern political philosophy, um, even when people are kind of reasonable, well-motivated, well-informed and want to identify common ground, um, they'll still have some deep line differences with regards to what they personally think that the good life looks like um, and what they think personal morality dictates in different situations. Um, and hence, you know, if I was to kind of come out of my uh, period of reflection or People sometimes talk about a long philosophical convention and say, I know the truth about AI morality. Um, other people could just simply disagree with, with me. And it's not necessarily the case that I could persuade them in any straightforward way um, that I was right. And so the question then is like, well, what, what would we make of a situation where I ignored the fact? that people disagreed with me and said, well, I really, really have the truth this time. So I'm just going to go for it and, and build AI that's aligned with this, this thing that I've discovered. And my conjecture in the paper is that that's actually quite a problematic uh, way to think about AI alignment because it brings with it this risk of domination. So um, on the one hand, I might be mistaken, right? In which case I'd be imposing values on other people um, that, uh, that, that, uh, not only were ones that they didn't agree with, but were also kind of misguided in this in this bigger meta-ethical sense. Um, on the other hand, if by you know some stroke of luck I was I was correct and I had come up with a good scheme, um, I would still be engaging in a form of imposition um, that many people have thought was problematic, given uh, other things that we value, so human autonomy, um, and. 
what I suggest in the paper is that the the kind of the way to deal with this um, is to deal with the way that political philosophy has tended to deal with pluralism in general, which is to think uh, think about fair processes for aligning different points of view. So I think one thing is best, um, maybe another person has a different view. Um, is there a fair way of deciding what the AI should do um, that, that is kind of, you know, brings us together in a unifying scheme where neither of us ends up dominating the other? Um, and I have a couple of ideas about how that might happen. Right. I mean, so you, you kind of outlined three broad possibilities in, in the paper. And um, I, I mean, the first one is, well, I guess the first two in many ways are kind of inspired by the, the Rawlsian approach, right? One is to look at you know, areas of, of consensus, of overlapping consensus, that, that people agree on certain kinds of principles for action. That was kind of what Rawls was famous for identifying in his you know, foundational model on the theory of justice of the, the kinds of basic principles that would be endorsed in in any society, regardless of the different kind of worldviews or moral theories that might lie behind the, those principles. Can that work in relation to AI? I mean, is there some emerging evidence to suggest that there is an overlapping consensus in all these guideline documents on principles for ethical AI? What do you make of that? So that's that's a fantastic question, and I think I think we should potentially separate the two parts of it: the question about whether there is a global overlapping consensus, and then the question about how existing proposals relate to to the possibility of that consensus. Um, so I think in terms of an overlapping consensus around value on a global basis, um, probably the most promising place to start is with human rights doctrine. Um, so if we just dovetail back quickly to the discussion of capability theory, we've, we've, we've already noted that when people are kind of surveyed and asked about what makes their life go well, um, what they consider really important, there's certain fundamental things that everyone needs in order to have a capacity to flourish. So they need some physical security, um, they need some capacity to enjoy good health, um, ideally they need a, a measure of education as well. And human rights um, as a kind of moral and legal construct, I think draws quite heavily upon these like fundamental vulnerabilities and needs that human beings share in common. Um, and also enjoys the benefit of some kind of, um, you know, international recognition and codification um, and has also led to a legal regime that has really been widely useful in terms of protecting human beings against certain forms of harm. Um, so that looks like a really promising foundation for, for a kind of aligned AI. Um, although, as we noted at the very start of the, the discussion, aligning AI with human rights still looks like quite a minimal proposition. It isn't the minimalism of, of the of, of purely saying focus on safety, but it doesn't tell us that much about um, you know some of the more complex trade-offs and richer goals that we might we might try and unlock. Um, but I think it would still be a, a tremendous achievement to think seriously about human rights and to embed those in AI systems in a robust way. Um, then we have the question about, um, you know, existing AI principles and frameworks. And as I'm sure most of your listeners are aware, um, there's a tremendous multitude of AI frameworks that have been proposed. And there is some evidence of convergence among them. So, for example, people tend to believe that AI should embody norms of beneficence, accountability, um, that it should be safe, explainable and transparent. Um, but it's also quite interesting and important to investigate the nature of that convergence from a sociological point of view. Um, so one criticism that has been uh, landed on, on the appearance of convergence is that these, um, these terms don't yet have concrete meanings. So we have an illusion of consensus, um, but actually different people mean different things when they, when they flag these values. And I think fairness is a really good example in that regard. So some people um, think of fair AI systems as systems that are non-discriminatory. Um, and, and of course, as we know from the discussion of algorithmic bias, it's a tremendously important topic and very hard to de-bias AI systems given the data they're trained on. Um, but for other people, fairness uh, encompasses questions of distributive justice. 
right? So it's not only that the AI shouldn't discriminate in terms of how it makes decisions, we also need to think about who is uh, who is enabled and who is hindered um, by the AI system in terms of a, a kind of distributive lens of, of wealth and inequality. Um, so it's not clear how robust the overlapping consensus of, of AI norms is. And other people have also suggested that unlike human rights doctrine, it isn't yet the product of a really global consensus or global conversation. So many of these codes have been proposed just by individuals at universities or um, private corporations, national governments, um, and communities uh, that tend to traditionally have access to these levers of power. Um, of course, if we're talking about a global overlapping consensus, it's incredibly important that we hear from people who are affected by these technologies um, in a in a really global way, and that in, includes uh, you know incorporating southern perspectives. And I just think it would be uh, you know premature to assume that we had got anywhere near that ballpark at the present moment. Right. I mean, I think that's a fair critique of the the present situation. Although you know, there I think there are institutional models or frameworks in place to allow us to get to something like that. You know, whether we have the the time to do so before something terrible happens is another question. But um, like the human the global human rights framework has mechanisms set up for that because you know the the documents themselves are couched in oftentimes vague general principles and how they get translated into practice on the ground in different countries is is a challenge but there are mechanisms for periodic review and to allow non-state actors and neglected voices to be heard in that process of review its practical effect is often challenged due to issues with you know international law and the recognition of international principles but there are at least frameworks for doing so similarly you know medical ethics has kind of faced this challenge over the past 70 years or so of going from broadly endorsed principles to kind of practical ethical guidelines and figuring out what they mean in you know, particular dilemmas or contexts that might be faced by medical practitioners so i think so i think there are models that we could use as analogies here for moving from the illusion of consensus to maybe something more practically uh, effective. Yes, yes, I certainly hope so. And so the other possibility that you discuss is the idea of looking at hypothetical agreement that people might reach. So, you know, how people might bargain over what the values ought to be or how they resolve the problem of plurality in idealized bargaining conditions. And this is, a, again, a feature of you know, Rawlsian political theory in particular, but lots of other political theories too. Uh, can we apply that to AI? And you know, how, how would it work? And what would the challenges be with that? Yeah, so it's a it's a good question. So just to just to take a step back, um, you know, at this point we're thinking about the famous thought experiment that John Rawls uses in a theory of justice, where he says that the challenge is to get people to to choose principles in a way that's genuine genu genuinely impartial, and the way we do that is by asking them to reflect upon the society that they would want to live in from behind a veil of ignorance, where they don't know who they would be in that society society or what position they would occupy. Um, and Rules argues that from, from when people deliberate behind this um, veil of ignorance, they would settle upon um, principles of injustice, uh, principles of justice that include respect for basic rights, uh, criterion of fair equality of opportunity, and a criterion of, uh, of distributive justice called the difference principle, which prioritizes the worst off. Um, and this is this is a view that has a lot of currency in, in political theory. Uh, so another possibility is like, suppose we want people to agree on principles for artificial intelligence, and we don't want them to reason in ways that are just prejudicial to themselves, you know, that say favor, favor me or give me all the benefits. Um, so the question is like, how do we proceed then? And we might we might think about them choosing principles for artificial intelligence from behind this kind of veil of ignorance situation. Now, of course, a huge amount turns on the kind of AI that we're thinking about at this moment in time. Um, so when we're talking about the state, we have a rough idea of its capabilities. When we're talking about 
AI can mean a, a huge, huge range of things. So the question could be, how do we want, you know, algorithms to, um, you know, function as part of public institutions? And it might be that in that case, um, we can actually just use this theory of justice that already exists to, to come up with concrete prescriptions. Um, Conversely, or, or in a complementary way, we might be thinking about far more powerful AI systems. So um, if we think about AGI, this idea of a very, very powerful intelligence that has all these capabilities that could be used to benefit humanity, but also potentially in ways that are harmful, we could imagine that we're sitting behind this veil and we ask, what, what would people choose for that system in this position where they can't prejudice themselves? And I think some things are very clear and they actually echo themes in the literature so the first thing is like no one would want an ai system a powerful ai system to be unsafe so that thought lends a lot of credence to the current focus of the ai safety community um i also think that from behind a veil of ignorance people would want um you know they would want some affirmation that they would remain in control because you know they would have this concern for human autonomy and so that also seems like something that would come out of that that setup and then i think we we start to branch into more interesting questions so would people have some idea about how they would like the benefits and burdens of ai to be distributed um, from behind that situation and it seems to me that that clearly they would do um, and I imagine that if I didn't know who I would be in that society, I would want to make sure that the AI benefited everyone in some material way. Um, so I think that the, the veil of ignorance basically leads us towards the idea that really aligned AI um, has to take into account considerations of distributive justice. Now, to turn to the other part of the question, which is what are the limitations of this approach? Um, the limitations of this approach are really the limitations that have also been documented in political theory. So it is a hypothetical uh, thought experiment. And a lot of people have asked questions about how these findings carry over into the real world. And in particular, it relies upon the prior idea that moral principles are principles that we would choose impartially. Um, so many people don't accept that premise, but at the same time, it, it does have a lot of currency and it kind of follows from the idea that that we are all in some sense equal and don't have a right to, to push our own particular agenda on other people at the level of principle. Um, so I think that that it, it basically does lead us to, to some interesting conclusions and that they're well worth investigating for, for AI systems. Yeah, and then the, the final possibility, and I'll have a more kind of general critique or question about these uh, scenarios or potential solutions to the problem of disagreement in a moment. But the, the final possibility that you discuss is, you know, relying on social choice theory. And I mean, that term can mean different things to different people, I suppose. But I mean, broadly speaking, I, I associate it with theories that have to do with how we aggregate opinions or you know, fair voting procedures or something like that. So how could we implement those to resolve the problem of, of disagreement in relation to AI alignment? Right. So I, I think you're exactly right, John. Social choice theory is often concerned, first and foremost, with fair voting procedures. Um, so, of course, if we were to take a step back and say that actually we think that human preference data is the sort of data that we should use for creating aligned systems, then we would need to kind of find a way of, of um, you know, aggregating it in a way that yielded sound conclusions. Um, of course, as the field of kind of social choice theory has documented, there's many kind of paradoxes and challenges that you um, encounter when it comes to trying to build a, a perfect aggregation system. Um, and if we follow the work of um, Amartya Sen or even people like Joshua Cohen, um, they suggest that deliberation um, can be a really important way of, of getting these systems to work a, a lot more effectively. Um, so if we just aggregate people's opinions, um, we don't necessarily get to, get to sound decisions. Um, but if we can get people to deliberate and share their reasons for supporting different kinds of vision for AI or for a just society, and then get people to vote on those outcomes, we often find a kind of convergence that is potentially moral and also widely endorsed. Um, so I think when it comes to social choice theory, the key, the key question is, can we think 
of forms of democratic discourse or forms of voting that would help us settle and solve the alignment problem. Um, this may be a question that we need to answer in any case, because neither um, aligning AI with human rights or with the outcome of the veil of ignorance necessarily means that people have actively voted or consented to be, um, you know, to be um, to, to, to co cohabit the world with a system that, that embodies those values. And if the system is relatively powerful, then it is likely that we would need that form of affirmation or consent. Um, so actually, it's possible that, that these approaches are mutually complementary. Um, but I, I think that this question about democracy is very important and one that we need to, to dedicate much more thought to. Right. And there's a whole you know, discussion. This is actually a pretty good paper by Seth Baum, who's a former guest on this podcast, too, about social choice theory and AI alignment, which goes into some of the specific paradoxes and challenges that might arise if we're trying to draw upon that literature in, in a bit more detail. I do have just like a general question I wanted to ask about, you know, the way in which you've framed the problem and looked to potential solutions to the problem. So, you know, my rough characterization of it is that the problem with trying to align AI with human values is that there's disagreement about human values that we have this plurality problem and, and the lack of consensus about values so we kind of have to focus instead on aligning ai or with the normatively preferred procedure for resolving disagreements and values or or to get whatever ai is to be an output of the normatively preferred procedure for resolving disagreements but the challenge then which is long-standing in political theory is that there's a lot of disagreement about what the normatively preferred procedure for resolving disagreements happens to be and we've encountered some of that disagreement to some extent already so it seems like you know we've, we've just created a new alignment problem a new challenge in attempting to resolve the the older alignment problem or the previously characterized alignment problem and you know one of the real issues here is just you know the nature of values and moral theories it's, it's just a lot of contested concepts all the way down and there's no there's no easy fix to any of these problems, right? So I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, and there is there is definitely a way in which we kind of reflexively re-encounter the problem of disagreement when we shift to these questions about process. Um, I'm not sure that the, 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 the disagreement uh, is kind of of the same depth and severity as when we talk about first order conflicts of values. Um, so I can imagine someone saying, um, actually, I don't think this voting process is kind of the ideal process or doesn't seem that reasonable given these other things we could be we could be doing to try and align AI systems. Um, but it seems to me like quite different, or, or it does seem to me that we've made progress in terms of narrowing the scope of disagreement um, relative to a first order uh, conflict between values where one person says, you know, I think this should promote equality. And then another person says, no, actually, um, we want to create libertarian AI. Um, and my hope is that, that it's easier to recognize a reasonable alignment procedure than it is to converge upon a, a reasonable doctrine without without that procedure in place um so so i am hopeful but it is it is also a criticism that that people have made of these approaches um and i guess to some extent it's something that we we have to try and do in practice um and then uh, you know we'll find out how much uh, cachet these approaches really hold yeah i mean like i don't doubt that it's a, a useful approach to take and you know i, I quite like the idea of having something like a a revised or Sen-like social choice approach where you have some deliberative forum where people can you know, thrash out some disagreements about basic values that they might want an AI to follow and then some preferred aggregation process afterwards. And, and I think that might be you know, a very practical way of addressing this issue to kind of turn it from a purely philosophical problem into something that can be managed at a societal level. And you may, you may be right that the scope of disagreement is narrower when it comes to fair procedures as opposed to substantive disputes about conflicts between values. Um, so, you know, those are reasons for optimism. And I think it's probably a good idea to end this conversation on some reasons for optimism. So I'd like to thank you for, for joining me for this conversation, Yasin. Thank you so much, John. I really, really appreciated the opportunity to talk to you today. All right. Thank you.